Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good afternoon, good morning, potentially good evening, and welcome back to the Roker Report podcast, where I am pleased to announce that I, Alex, am back in the studio, fresh from my holiday, and I'm right in time for us to enjoy a 3-0 loss away to Peterborough. I've actually been away three weeks, meaning that I've actually never been in this country while Sunderland have won a league game this season. But, you know, it is what it is. We're, we're back now. We're, 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 we're stuck with them. We're stuck with Sunderland. So, sadly, we've just got to sit here in this fairly warm studio and, and talk about it. So, it's what it is. I'm joined today by Craig, Paddy and Dan making his debut. So as you're the debutant, Dan, I'm going to start with you. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Uh, I, I, as the imagine is the case with you three lads, I could be a lot better, but you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I need to stop using that for filler. I've been seeing that for ages now, but everyone just thinks I'm copying Love Island, which is definitely not the case. But anyhow, I'm also joined by Paddy, who is to the right of Dan. How are you doing, Paddy? Not too bad. Just sort of still processing... What actually happened yesterday afternoon yeah. hasn't quite sunk in, so well, maybe it will now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to process, as we will find out in today's discourse. And finally, I am joined by Craig. How are you, Craig? It is a bit warm in here, isn't it? It is a bit warm. I'm absolutely <laughs> sweltering. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm very well, thanks. I'm a little bit pale in comparison to you coming back from your holidays. But well, looking forward to getting stuck into another episode. It'll certainly be an interesting one, as as Paddy says. There was a lot to process, a lot to talk about, and for the tiny portion of our fans who have had the pleasure of being in Sunderland Studios, you do know that they are indeed a little bit warm. Anyone with more than one layer in the studio today is certainly feeling the heat. Yeah, I'm wearing a fleece. Yeah, What's that all about? Yeah, I can see Dan here yeah. in his fleece, who's um, uh, you know, is is he's he's grinning, but is, I... <laughs> I can see the pain in his eyes. <laughs> I'm sat directly across from him, and you know that man is struggling. I can tell. But we haven't just got the three 0 loss to Peterborough to talk about, although it probably will dominate discussions today because we haven't spoken about the three one win against Premier League side Burnley as it occurred on the Wednesday before the most recent pod before today so we'll certainly talk about that one but we will jump into Peterborough afterward. Regardless we have the three word review where obviously the Peterborough game has taken the sort of front row seat in the vast majority of our fans minds understandably you just give us three words to summarize this week in football. So Graham Field says not learning lessons. Jake Collinson says confirm the takeover. Tom Albrighton says properly weird performance. Jack Ford says classic vintage Sunderland. Jay Dizzle T-Dog says easily second best. Marco Lund says purchase Marcus Madison. Jimmy McCullough says back to earth. Zoe Louise says let's move on. Richard Spate says get Dobson in. Michael Crosby says re-sign John Menser. 
Uh, well, you know, if, if we could get him for, for one game before he gets injured, then I'm... It must be about 50 now. Honestly, I've not even thought about that man for years. But <laughs> anyhow, Kelly Lee Cooper says, what a mess. Kevin Lewis says, got turned over. Kevin Lewis then says, back to basics as well. Lee Anderson says, a timely reminder. Jeffrey Potts says, back to earth. Mr. Brett Gibbs says, Ross is clueless. The Sunder Mad Forum say, one bad game. Chris C says, must regain focus. SCFC and golf have two, which is which are rather, why the fallout and time to go, both with question marks. And yeah, that's our wrap. So a fairly, well, I say a fairly, uh, predominantly despondent group of three-word reviewers there, where a lot of us at best are disheartened about yesterday's performance and I would say maybe at the most extreme probably wondering if Jack Ross should still be in charge of our football club so before we get into the Peterborough game itself as as we um, uh, previously said we're going to start with the Burnley game because we may as well start on a more positive note before we eventually deteriorate into the absolute train wreck that was yesterday's game away so we're going to start with you Dan on your debut why not? Were you expecting that result, given the team we fielded against Burnley, given everything that you saw on the team sheets? I was expecting something. Um, it certainly wasn't going to be a 3-1. I was expecting a 1-1, the old classic Jack Ross score. Um, but the 3-1 turnover, definitely not expecting that. I think watching the performance back as well, um, it wasn't just a fluke performance either. I think that overall we played really, really well. The attacking performance in particular from the midfielders was absolutely superb as well. George Dobson. Um, really, really good performance from him, capped off for that goal as well. So even though we might have lost at the weekend, certainly look for positives in the squad. There's players that maybe aren't getting an opportunity at the moment that we probably seriously need to start looking at. Absolutely, yeah. What about you, Craig? Any thoughts on the Burnley game? Uh, well, I sat in the chair last week and predicted that we would get beat, but I said the most important thing was that we have a performance from some of the so-called fringe players. I think if we're being fair about the assessment of the game itself, Burnley pretty much dominated the opening stages. Could have really been out of sight a few times. Took the lead through a bit of a sloppy goal um, in terms of McGeoch giving away possession. And then Baldwin and Flanagan having a bit of a car crash moment, both chasing for the ball. Uh, Burnley take the lead. In that stage, you kind of worry a little bit and thinking, you know, how many could this be? The Rattler post twice in quick succession. And I think by the time we got the equaliser, we hadn't really tested Joe Hart. So it came against the run of play. So I can consider ourselves that we were fairly fortunate to go in 1-1 at half time. But the second half, we were just a completely different side. So I'm not sure, you know, what the team talk was. But they just seemed to take the shackles off. I think in the first half, we give um, Burnley a little bit of respect. Maybe stepped off them thinking that we can't match them. But one thing that I was... You know, really, really pleased about was the second half. We just came out and we just gave it, give it a really good account of ourselves. Got stuck in, scored two goals in quick succession, and from then on, I don't think Burnley really threatened us once. In truth, I know no. when Chris Wood came on, you know he brought a good save out of uh, of Lee Burge, but we looked fairly comfortable. We knocked the ball around really well. Um, George Dobson, I thought, took his goal excellently, and um, he looked really good with Dylan McGeoch. So. Very, very good performance. Absolutely. I think what you say about the opening stages as well, and I think how that could have changed the entire game is a very sort of crucial point to focus on there. 
when you look at it, obviously they the scored quite a sloppy goal, kind of the kind of goal you would probably expect the League One team to concede against a Premier League team if, if they're both maybe fielding half of a full team. You'd probably say that a goal like that would transpire quite early on. And I think the real concern was when they, they hit the post twice, which I think the, you know, the wind really blew our way on that occasion. Yeah, cause, they, were, they were knocking on the door for quite a, bit, quite yeah, a period of time. Absolutely. But... I think 99 times out of 100, you, you probably, Premier League team especially, buries at least one of the two shots they had and had you have gone 2-0 down I, I would probably assume it would be a very different game but we, we found ourselves back into it um, Will the ball broke to Will Grigg out of the blue and he, and he puts it away as you'd, as you'd hope he would and next thing you know it's 1-1 at the break and as you say again that they came out quite polite but ultimately gave a very good account of themselves and, and as we've seen against League One teams we were just more clinical so what do you think about that Paddy? I mean obviously when you're playing in the early stages of the Cup it often isn't games that teams take the most seriously albeit not as informally as say a friendly but we ultimately proved ourselves to be more clinical than Burnley and Burnley are a well-established Premier League team it's very depressing that in this day and age I can say that Bury are that and are also two divisions above us but that's by the by does the fact that we were more clinical against a Premier League team possibly hold us in good stead if we're looking at the positives for our League One campaign yeah I think it does because obviously you know we said that it was it's not the team which had you know it hadn't played together much uh, you know prior to the uh, to the Burnley game. We lined up sort of how I expected to. So if you have the players, you know, especially the likes of playing Flanagan and Baldwin, you've got to think where they're not necessarily going to be first choice centre halves this season, barring injury or you know if one of Osterk or Willis goes, they were a particularly bad runner form. So I think it was really positive to see how we could catch teams out, and especially teams from two divisions above us. Who yeah, you know. They put out a weakened team, not as weak as what I expected, uh, you know. And obviously, they, they had some of the big guns on the bench. But it does, it does stand us in good stead. I think as, what especially pleased me was the um, the set pieces, the way we sort of we looked so threatening from set pieces because for so long. I mean, I think I know when we signed Ledbetter last January. I remember we looked a little bit more dangerous when he was taking our corners and some of some of our free kicks. But up until then, it's like we get a corner and it's like you wouldn't really. You wouldn't expect much, but then obviously you look at Dobson's goal with you know with the short corner routine and everything, and I think movement like that, obviously uh, off and on the ball, um, and to do it against such a well-established team two leagues above us, I think there was a lot of positive signs. Absolutely, it looked really good. Yeah, I think you would assume that the measure of a good set piece routine on the training ground is whether or not it can catch out a Premier League team. And lo and behold, it did. And I, I think in the end, while the game was probably fluky in its opening exchanges. Ultimately, as it transpired, we, we were the better team. And to say that against a Premier League side is, is, is very, very good. I think as well, to maybe sour the note just a bit, some of the selections that Jack Ross made against Peterborough maybe didn't reflect how good the performers were against Burnley. So I'm going to throw that one to you, Dan. I mean, George Dobson obviously didn't make a starting appearance against Peterborough. Yeah. Do you think he should have? Absolutely, yeah. For me, it was a massive surprise that he wasn't called upon again. Um, not just him, but I think some of the other performers on there as well. Um, when I looked at the team sheet going into the match as well, the Peterborough match, I looked at it and thought, it's the same old faces, it's the kind of people you'd expect to see playing. Certainly after a performance like that, you would hope that some of that momentum might have shifted over onto the weekend performance. So definitely a bit of a shame that the likes of Dobson didn't get a shout. Even Will Grigg, to an extent. Um, Wyke's played reasonably well the last couple of games, but you know he's finally might start building up his confidence, which I think has been lacking so far this mm-hmm. season. We're getting that goal, so I'd definitely say so. Anyone for you, Craig? It was a difficult one, I think, in terms of 
most people probably would have expected us to go to Burnley, maybe put a shift in, but probably get put out of the competition. And I think by changing, I think eight changes he made, you know, you, you rest here, you so-called star players, you don't have McGeady involved, Maguire, anybody like that, and you make sure that they're, they're well for the weekend. But the lads put such a good account for themselves, especially in that second half. I mean, I know we mentioned about Sir Flanagan and Baldwin, that they looked quite rusty and that's to be expected because you know Baldwin in particular has barely kicked a ball but I think there would be a good argument to say that you could have picked that starting 11 that'd be Burnley you could have picked them yesterday yeah yeah every single one of them I mean they will be rusty I mean I I, I don't know um which member of the backroom staff will be credited for uh, finding Jack Baldwin in that storage container in uh, <laughs> Newton Aircliff because God knows where he's been while perhaps rustiness would have been a concern Ultimately, you've put out a starting eleven that has beaten the Premier League team, and while that's quite a brute fact, and it's it's supported on the basis of one set of ninety minutes, you know that's a team that's that's a team that's beaten the Premier League team. I'll, yeah. I'll just say it again because there's not much more to say rather than that on that point. But I don't know about you, Paddy. If you were Jack Ross, would there perhaps be a bit of a a bit of a um, rock and a hard place scenario between do I stick predominantly or completely with a team that's beaten Burnley on the basis of that game? Or do I revert to the team for the leagues with only some minor adjustments? I think he'll have been thinking he doesn't really want to change too much in the league. You know, with us in, you know, it was three straight league wins sort of going into Peterborough. Um, you know, so, you know, five in total if you include the two cup games. And I think he was right to not change things too much. Um, but there were certain things like, I, mean, I don't know how much we're going to go into now, but just Conor McLaughlin. I'm, I'm not sold on him at all. I don't think he's put. I don't. I don't think he's put in one half decent performance. So I think I didn't agree with him getting another start. But I think if I'm any player in that squad, I'm probably going to be most disappointed if I'm George Dobson. I, I think thought, so. Yeah, I thought he had a really good game at Burnley, and then for him to not keep his place, and then for for Max Power to then obviously fit in in a similar position. Obviously, it proved in hindsight, you know, obviously hindsight's great and everything, but obviously Powers had probably one of the worst games he's had for us, I think. You know, I don't think there's too many people could really argue with that. So I think, I, I agree with Ross, I, I got why he did that, but I think it will probably make him look back on that the lineup which started against Burnley and make him think, well, now maybe in a couple of weeks' time when we go to Accrington, Maybe I should put some of these lads in because they've put in a more recent, better performance than some of the sort of league regulars. Mm-hmm. So I think it does, it gives them a good um, few thoughts um, to mull over in the sort of two weeks we have now. Yeah, I'd agree with that because I think in terms of, you know, you mentioned about uh, George Dobson and McGeoch as well. They, they didn't play against Muggs in that Burnley central midfield. I mean, they had Danny Drinkwater, which in fairness, I know again he's a little bit rusty, but he's he's an exceptional Premier League player. Yeah, definitely. Um, an international just yeah. what, a couple of years ago. Absolutely, wasn't it? yeah. So. Premier League winner. Um Hendrick was in there. I mean that, that that's a good midfield. Mm. And they didn't look out of place against them. Granted, okay, slightly overran um in the opening stages of the first half, but you know what? I I thought as time grew on, we looked the better side. Easily looked the better side at times. So yeah, absolutely. It's a very sort of tricky sort of dissonance kind of situation with that whole thing but I think ultimately it is quite a, a tricky call to make and as you say there Paddy hindsight is a wonderful thing because you have the absolute benefit of saying yeah obviously it was wrong to switch out Dobson with power but 
I think Powers had a fairly decent season prior to the Peterborough game where he, he did play an absolute stinker. But had Ross have had his time back now, I think there would have been no question as to whether or not he would play Dobson because Dobson turned out a very good game against Burnley. So anyway, I think we are coming to the end of our sort of little ray of sunshine here on the podcast where we can talk about a Sunderland win. But just to bring it to a close, we'll sort of ease out of the positivity with a more negative take on the game, which is, do we possibly think that Sunderland got a bit lucky? Now, I'll preface that with a bit of context. Obviously, we've spoken about the fact that Burnley got an early goal and then hit their post twice I think if the game's 2-0, you're probably looking at a very different game then because if heads start to drop against a Premier League team, that could get very messy very quickly. But obviously that wasn't the case because we went on to win 3-1 with them becoming probably quite frustrated and their mentality dropping. Compounded with the fact that when you look at some of the goals, obviously the third one was very well taken and the first one was quite fortunate. And the second one I would probably attribute to a mistake by Joe Hart, which is a very, very funny thing to say. You know, I never thought I'd be here on a on a podcast or or any or anywhere in the world in any scenario really where I'd be saying that yeah, Joe Hart parried the ball out of Tom Flanagan who headed home from point blank <laughs> range. But you know, we are where we are. So let's go back to you for that one, Dan, for that closing point. Did we play well or did we just get lucky? Or if we're gonna strike a middle ground there, how much of the game was due to luck, how much was due to ability? I think if you look at any football game, most football games, there's an element of luck and there's an element of ability. Um, and I think they definitely had both of that on uh, midweek. So you had the luck, you had uh, the first goal, you had um, Burnley hitting the crossbar, the post, etc. But I think we played really, really well. I've got to give it to Jack Ross. I think he's got his tactics pretty much spot on in the second half. The performances were really, really strong. Um, Burnley, when they did try and come back at us, wasn't necessarily as strong as you'd expect from a side of that calibre. And we caught with it really well. So there was elements to look in there. But for me, I felt it was just a really, really good Sunderland performance. Well, that's that's probably as as, as happy as we're getting for the next <laughs> the next 40 minutes, boys. So, yeah, that's that's great. However, we now obviously have to speak about the elephant in the room with its, uh, with its three goals conceded and its two men sent off. It is the Peterborough game. But before we do that, we have a couple of announcements to make. We are really just squeezing as much happiness as we can out of this. First of all, we had a competition over at Adult Clothing and we are now pleased to announce that our winner is Becca going by the Twitter handle at BeccaGib09. So congratulations, Becca. I believe, what's the sort of course of action now, Craig? Do we DM us with your contact details? Thanks to that, Becca, if you can just DM either Roker Report or the Roker Report That sounds podcast. seedy, doesn't it? That does sound it's seedy. seedy. It sounds DM. terrible. What have we come to? Hi, Becca. Slide intro DMs, please. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, I'm, terrible. Just, I'm just reading off the script Absolutely for this Absolutely terrible. Shameless from the Roker Report podcast, a shameless, pathetic move. But, but you've won a free t-shirt, well, yeah, well done. But ultimately you've won a free t-shirt, so yeah, just obviously if you just hug a DM at the Roker Report podcast. Talk about Peterborough, just talk about Peterborough now. <laughs> We're on to Peterborough, so yeah, we lost 3-0 to Peterborough and it was pretty awful. Uh, bit of a train wreck of a game, very cagey in its opening exchanges and then it deteriorated into a very sort of miserable kind of game and we have our quick question segment which we'll jump to very quickly but we're going to start with Paddy I just want to give us our thoughts on that game itself it was it was abysmal really Um, you know it's we pretty much from the off you know it was you could say it wasn't really going to be our day you know we weren't really stringing anything together we weren't creating chances and then obviously they've got their goal I think it was about 10 minutes before half time I think it was and from then it's just sort of, you know, you're going at half time one nil down 
and you think, you know, you can regroup. We've managed to see it through to half-time at 1-0 and then just to concede so soon after in the second half. And from then, I think it's just, we've just, we've pressed self-destruct really. And then, yeah, it's, I want to just say it's a bad day at the office and it won't happen again this season. I really want to say that. So I am going to say that because <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even want to, yeah, I don't even want to, think about repeating that performance again in League One at this level because it was abysmal. Well, I don't think we can afford to really against the vast majority of the teams. Absolutely not, no. Now, Peterborough is obviously one team that I think some of us might expect to be up there with us at the end of the season. I think I probably would. They were, for me, a a very well-organised, very well-drilled team and they absolutely found us out. That's not, of course, to excuse the performance that we did turn out because it was underwhelming for a team that's meant to get promoted that's allegedly meant to get 100 points you know but anyhow what you said there Paddy was a very crucial point that we sent the quick question segment around this week which was essentially how much of that game was a bad day at the office and how much of it can be attributed to perhaps some real some real fundamental issues within that team so before we get into some of the Twitter replies which we've highlighted I'm going to ask you that very same question Craig what do you think? Uh I mean, before kind of laying out my opinion, I'd just like to say that I am not on the payroll and I am not a happy clapper. Um, but I do, I think it's a funny one because, you know, when you're on the, the end of a 3-0 defeat, people are going to have an impression, aren't there, of, of how the game went. Um, Chris Sutton certainly had an opinion of how the game went. Um, but the reality was, I thought we actually played okay in the first half. You know, McGeady had an early chance that went over the bar. It's no shock that Peterborough started the better side. Uh, they created two or three really good chances in the first half. Um, and they, they pretty much dominated the opening stages. But as we grew into the game, you know, we were fairly settled. We were fairly relaxed. And then things gradually started to go against us. I thought it was a soft foul uh, for the free kick that we, we give away. I thought, you know, Ledbetter, whether it's a bit clumsy, um, it, it doesn't need to be anywhere near uh, as man for that one. And the free kick, I mean, straight away, you know, as soon as he stands up, it's only going one place, isn't it? Um, again, maybe just an element of luck with that. I've, I've actually, I've been sent a video and I'll put it up on, on Twitter and, and Instagram and whatever. Yeah. But basically it's from behind the goal and it was near enough where I was sat. John McLaughlin is basically lining up his wall and, you know, we, we just have not got this done quick enough. The referee's basically blown to in, in, allow them to take the free kick. Lo and behold, he's had to race over to the side of his goal, um, bang smack in the middle. He takes one step to the left and he's beaten. It should have really been a routine catch normally you would expect. But there was just a few fundamental mistakes like that that just literally set the tone for the rest of the day and we capitulated inevitably. But yeah, I I really do think it is a bad day at the office. I think, you know, you are going to get days like this where unfortunately everything does go against you. I mean, hell, we've had lots of days like this in the past, but... I don't think we should be writing the team off just yet, like an awful lot of people seem set to do. I mean, we've just come off the back of five pretty impressive wins. So, look, if we win five games and then lose one and then repeat over the course of the season, we're going up with nigh enough 100 points. Precisely. I think that's it. And one of the main concerns of last season, which we've gone somewhere to eliminate currently, is the sheer number of draws we've had. And obviously, if you look at it from a completely logical, mathematical standpoint, if you're... If you're replacing, say, three draws with two wins and a loss, well, then you're doubling your point intake. Yeah, I mean, we're currently averaging, what, almost two points a game. And I appreciate, look, we're six games in, and at this stage of the season, you have absolutely no reflection of how it's going to pan out for the rest of the season. You're not really 
going to have any idea. I don't personally think, at least until the back end of October. I mean, hell, if you look at Luton last season, they were losing games left, right and centre at the start of the season. They were barely averaging a point per game. Lo and behold, something clicks. The Spanker team, they go on a tremendous unbeaten run and the season basically unravels there for them as, as going up as champions. So I think while yes, okay, you know, you can be rightly dis- displeased about going down there and getting beaten in the manner that we have, um, you know, by all means, um, I'm not happy by it. I, I like to win every single game, but it's just the reality is it's not going to happen. No. So I am labelling yesterday as a very bad day at the office, but look, lo and behold, we've got relatively comfortable games coming up now. We've got Akron away, we've got we've got teams like Bur- uh, Bolton, should I say, sorry, coming up. Um, so now I think we should get a better understanding of, of who we are against the rest of the division. We've, we've played some pretty decent sides so mm-hmm. far. Yeah, we've got win. Well, obviously we'll be Portsmouth 2-1 in our own place. Now they've obviously had a bad start of the season, but they... They have the look of a team that could click and could yeah. get working, whether that might take the second of Kenny Jackett, whether that might just need a system to fall into place. You know, someone like John Marquis doesn't just suddenly suddenly stop scoring. If he's in the right system, then he's a player that you could really make a lot of use of. But that that aside, obviously, as you say, if we're going to take a loss against anyone this season, I, I, I would feel more comfortable taking it against a good side than one of the sort of teams and then the bottom end do it's sort of like a lottery draw who gets relegated that season and who doesn't but what we could probably do there though is take more of a devil's advocate approach so I'm going to go back to you here Paddy if we're looking at that game yesterday and we're perhaps thinking you know was it a bad day at the office or were there some more some more fundamental issues some more sort of troubling signs for what could be in store for Jack Ross and his team this season I think it's sort of it's what we've sort of just said there, really. I mean, we come up against one of the best teams in the league, and I know that they got off to a slow start, you know. But they had the squad where you just think like it's not going to take much for them to click. And I think like I think last week they put five past MK Duns, and you know, I know MK Duns, you know, they've they've just come up. They're not they're not great, but to go to any team and put five past them and just give a bit of a statement. So I think we've all been aware of what sort of challenge we would have been up against going down to Peterborough. It, it, it's hard to sort of, you know, it's like like what Craig said, it, it's it's too early to really have a, a strong idea of just where we're going to be and how we're going to be on a regular weekly basis. Bad day at the office, yeah, but if you want to pick anything out, individual performances, you know, there were a lot of bad ones. But that's happened a few times this season. You know, we've had, you know, in those first two draws, you know, we weren't great, you know. And when we came out with that little run with two draws and then two games, everyone's saying, oh, you know, 1-1, one, one, uh, Jack Dross, you know, all these, all the other terminology gets what we had last season, but it's been regurgitated now on social media. But you've got to think about it now. For me, I think it is just a one-off. And I think we've just got to just brush it off really just as quickly as we can and just give a couple of days to mull over and then look at it and think right we've got two weeks now to basically get in the right frame of mind to make sure it doesn't repeat itself I think that's the worst thing for us now actually that you've mentioned that is that we have two weeks to wait for it and we've got basically no filler now there's no leasing.com or what on earth we're calling that trophy there's there's Mm -hmm. nothing in the middle now is there Um, so we're going to have this hangover for two weeks where potentially we could have put it right next weekend but look, I mean, we know we're capable of going to Accrington and getting a result. By all means, we'll put it pretty much again a second string side out down there. So I think we forget about this one. It's been, it's gone. We can't change. Just go down there, set the tone to say, look, yeah, we got our backsides handed to us. 
but you know it's how we recover now mm-hmm. and that's going to be the hallmark of of a good side and they, like you said these aren't no mugs moments away from taking full points from Ipswich um, again last season they, they went and beat Luton they, they beat Charlton at the Valley and I know a lot of things were mentioned yesterday saying if you want to go up you don't lose to a side like Peterborough and that's not fair I don't think because Peterborough in fairness they're, they're a really good side they've got a, an enormous attacking threat um, Moise great signing you know who who we're not going to hopefully have to mention too much but yeah, look, they're going to be there or thereabouts. So they're going to be up there with us. So let's go into what the people of Twitter have made of that question I've now posed to Craig and Paddy, which again, just as a quick reminder, the, the more or less the exact wording was, do we think that Jack Ross is getting something seriously wrong? Do we think that his th- there are very worrying sides for his side and his tenure? Or was that just, as we've said there, a bad day at the office? So let's start with Brenton Gaydon, who says... Serious faults that the recent good run papered over. The size of the club and the huge budget advantage. We should have a team that we are confident can go out and win every game in this league, even if it obviously won't always go that way. However, the recruitment has focused on League One experience or players who couldn't cut it in the championship, and this has left us with just another squad of League One level players, plus McGeady in brackets, that are no better than about six other teams in the league, but with the added pressure of our expectations. Going to go to you, Craig. What do we make of that? It's a good point. Um, I think the reality is now, though, whether we like it or not, look, we are in League One, and quite often, more than not, we're not going to be able to to even compete with teams at the bottom of the Championship to bring players in because nobody cares about who we are in terms of stature or anything like that. We will have now a basic wage that we'll be offering to teams. Um and you'll, you'll have players who will be looking to go to the championship immediately rather than maybe come to us first and have a long-term project. I mean, Christ, if you think, even when we uh, we got relegated, Billy Jones got to move to the championship immediately, and that's mental. But look, I, I'd agree in terms of the recruitment. I think we should have aspirations to maybe look at teams in the league above and say, we're going to come and take your best players and we should be selling this club. But it's a difficult sell. Um, I mean, we've hopefully bottomed out now I'm, I'm, I'm certainly thinking that we have um and i've got more than enough confidence to say that we'll get promoted this season but yeah look the the players that we've got are more than capable to get us out of this division they are seasoned league one professionals most of them have been promoted out this league already in terms of your max powers and your will griggs so i think the fine as they are at the moment we could do with an injection of more quality that is i don't think up for debate i think we'd all agree with that particularly a two and a half million pounds one um, from a team that we might have just played yesterday. But look, the team we've got right now, I think we'll get us out of this league. It's next season for me. That's the worry because at that stage, how many of this team is good enough to cut it in the league above? Do you not think a lot of it though was financial fair play for this season? I think a lot of it. Yeah, very much so because I mean, the, the idea of everyone, look, I don't want to say people are wet in the bed about it, but there's so many people out there who are just saying, go sign him, go sign him. And we can't, which is quite simply do not have the money, whether people like like to hear that or not. I know Stuart Donald's mentioned a few times we can go out there and sign a player if we want for £500,000, but, you know, that's probably our roof. I know we've been linked with the kid from Kilmarnock, and we've said that we'll go to 750 Kilmarnock won £2.5 million, I think, and we, we just quite simply cannot go that far. It's not feasible to think that we can. So for the moment, we're cutting our cloth accordingly. We're bringing in players that we can sign, but that's not to say that the, the lads that we've recruited so far are all bad signings. I mean, Christ, Jordan Willis we got for free. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. very good signing. Lee Burge, I know 
a lot of Coventry fans threw him under the bus and said he wasn't great, but he's looked pretty solid for us so far. He's done nothing. He's done, he's done nothing wrong uh, hitherto, has he? No. I've, I've mean, you know, we haven't really seen him drop any clangers. I know, as you say, they weren't a big fan, but he's better than the last yeah. goalkeeper called Lee that were hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have taken some doing. You could have put Lee Catamall in goal. And I think, <laughs> I think it would have been all right, you know. But, but again, there's another player who got another championship move mm-hmm. and is apparently doing all right. I watched the week. He did really well. Yeah. Great, tremendous. Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Lee Cam. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for all your help. Yeah, thanks, Coleman. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, everyone. But yeah, I think what it, what is crucial to focus on that point from Brenton is that I think what Brenton what he's getting at really as the serious fault is at its core the recruitment. And while that has been flagged up as a concern before, I would have to disagree with him by probably saying that looking at League One experienced as a first and foremost point and perhaps players who aren't quite championship standard or didn't quite cut it with their teams, i.e. Max Power and Will Grigg with Wigan in the championship, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because as as an approach, we pined maybe two years ago to stop looking at overrated, self-entitled has-beens from the high divisions or from the high divisions abroad and instead maybe turn our attentions towards football league players who wanted to be here and were rising talents and could very well go on to be either you know great players long-term with the club or be sold on for more money. A bit like that whole Dortmund model thing that I know was banded around a little while ago. And Craig's right. You look at Jordan Willis. Jordan Willis has been, for me, very good so far. He's looking like a real steal for a, you know a free transfer from Coventry. Obviously, they all like him. He played with them in only League Two and League One. League One being his ceiling, absolutely. But I mean, we mentioned with Dobson earlier in the pod as well. He didn't look out of place. Like I said, against a very, very experienced Premiership lineup the other day. So, look, there's positives and there's negatives. Don't get me wrong. In terms of some of the signings, yeah, I agree with everybody here that Conor McLaughlin has found it very difficult so far. But to say that all of our signings have been, you know, underwhelming, or I think that's a bit reactionary. Um, but I think that maybe comes with with obviously yesterday's result. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously how good a player is is always relative to our expectations as well. Of course. And as it's been said before, when we had Stuart Donald and Charlie Methon on the podcast, the term hundred point season was thrown around. And obviously, if you are going to sort of if you if you're going to sort of give that mantle to Jack Ross, you're either giving him a mantle or you're putting an albatross around the man's neck. And that's the same. That's the same albatross around the players' necks. Because obviously, if you aren't performing like a hundred-point season team would perform week in week out, then you're hitting well below the mark. So time will tell whether or not such a aspiration can be actualised. I'd happily personally just take second place minimum. You know, I think we should be aiming for that. First or second, don't care which, as long as we're not faffing on with the playoffs again. Just don't want to see Wembley no more. No, no, I, I don't want to no. see Wembley no more. You, you, you know, you're damn right, Craig. But yeah, anyway, moving on, we have Dan Hallett, who has a bit more of a positive light. He says, overall performance wasn't as dreadful as scoreline might suggest. That said, not enough pressure applied to their defence, while Posh, unlike majority of teams in League One, made most of their chances. 11 points from six games is an OK start. Back to you, Dan. What do you think? I 100% agree. I think uh, yesterday feels like a blip. I think if we can just move on from it quite quickly. Um, I think that'll be for the best. The opening day against Oxford was quite a disappointing one, but then we got that draw against Ipswich, which I thought was a really good point. And kind of since then, we've turned a corner. Um, some of the performances have been really, really strong, really good. Um, I think once we get the balance of the team right, all will come good. So I'm certainly not uh, in a panic at all about yesterday's result. It was a one-off blip. Let's move on. Yeah, and I think it's interesting what he says about teams taking the chances, mm. because one of the sort of positives um, turned negatives so far of our season is that we haven't had many chances but the chances we've had we've been very clinical with but that's 
that's quite a, a, an all-encompassing thing that's probably a good topic to broach given the fact that we've played a team who've exemplified that against us. So I'm going to go back to you here again, Paddy. What do we make of that? What do we make of Sunderland this season with their chances-to-chances conversion rate? Obviously, the, the expected goal spreadsheets will make us out to be a team that should be 14th or whatever. I don't know. But ultimately, we have probably not had as many shots as a lot of teams in our you know, in, in the top six have, but when we have gotten forward, we've gotten forward with a lot of intent and we've made it count. Are you worried about us not having many chances if we are clinical? As the season goes on, I think it might might come to be a bit of a problem. And I I just, I know obviously we had the two one ones at the start of the season, but I just think we, the fact that we haven't had another 1-1 since the start of the season, you know, we've had we've had four games. I know one of them obviously was a comfortable defeat. But I think it's it shows that things are changing and the fact that we've managed to like for example when against Portsmouth, when we equalised, I thought that'll be it now. You know, we might have the odd chance, but as sort of the last sort of twelve month shows, we don't tend to hammer home the home advantage. So I think when we went two one up before the break, you're thinking, Alright, this is almost like it's like a sort of unusual situation to be in. We tended to there was a lot of home games last season where it would either be one nil the opposition or be one one at half time, and you just think like, oh, we'll come out in the second half and then we get the equaliser, but then nothing else would really happen, and that was a bit deflating. So I think at the minute it's okay, but I do think if we don't start creating more chances, I think it's definitely going to come back to haunt us later in the season, especially against those teams who will try and squeeze us, and they'll come and. Just sit back and just soak up as much as as much as possible. So I think, yeah, things have to change. I think we have to we have to make more of our play. I think we definitely need to start creating more chances because we aren't going to win two or three one week in week out like playing the way we are. Yeah. And sometimes it's not just creating the chances as well. It's who we've got in the who we've got uh, in the box. So if I look at some of the games I've watched this so far this season, we've put in crosses, we've had opportunities, but there's just been nobody there in the box at yeah. all. I think like the Wimbledon game, there was um, you know even after we went three one up, um, you got you now obviously you had Griggs chance. I know that was obviously before it was three, but and then Griggs getting in the box, albeit he missed, but he's getting in there. And then there's you know the ball's going into the box, and like you were saying, White's there, and then Griggs sort of hovering around, and then obviously before he went off, before he got his third goal, Maguire was there as well, and I think that was that was good to see because we were just constantly at Wimbledon for pretty much the whole of the second half. And I think to come back for to come back from obviously getting pegged back. I, I don't know Wimbledon. I think they're going to be sort of down, sort of bottom six, bottom seven this season. But I still think to to come back like that and to create all those chances, it was really positive. But I just think we've got to keep it up going going forward into sort of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's I think another crucial point to maybe consider is is with obviously as we've spoken about there you, you've you've said there Paddy that one concern with not having many shots albeit being clinical is that as the season goes on that's not going to that's not going to continue absolutely it, it never does there, there is no team that has a run like that and just sets up every single chance and takes every single chance especially a team going for promotion because we'll have teams as you say come into the stadium alight where they will sit back with the intention of grinding out a point. They might nick a lucky goal, it might be nil-nil, but they will go for the point if they aren't very good. I think Wimbledon would have liked to do that, but thankfully they were truly awful, so they couldn't. (laughs) But 
yeah, that, that's that's probably a concern. And what you might have to look at there is your players like Aidan McGeady and Chris Maguire. Now, obviously, McGeady's, McGeady's skill needs no introduction. He's a player far superior to the standard of League One. Chris Maguire as well, while I don't think all-round is a player that is com- that, that is way beyond like McGeady is, I think he's certainly very good. And he's played in the Championship before. What I like about Maguire is his positioning. He's got and a really excellent sense of where the ball's going to be, so much so that I've often thought he might be quite good playing as an out-and-out striker. Looking even at, let's say, the uh, the Portsmouth game in the, the, the first leg of the playoffs where he took that goal and he just seemed to know where to be about 10 seconds before the, the, the ball fell to his feet. But that's that's what I'm getting at, essentially, is we've got players like McGeady and Maguire who are, are very good when playing together because of their skill and positional awareness. And they're probably your reason why you are so clinical because you've just got so many intelligent forward players. But obviously, those players are going to get injured as the season goes on. They're going to miss games. They might get sent off. We'll get to the, the sending off in a little bit as well because that's obviously a very very apt thing to discuss. But that's probably a, a main reason why we need to be just creating more in general because if your players like those get injured, then if you break once a game and need to make it count, you, you probably won't, which which is obviously the case. I don't know what you think, Craig. I think we'll learn as we go on. Um, I mean, we've touched on the Oxford game. We've got, what, 34, 35 crosses in the box. And as rightly mentioned from, I think, everybody, there was just nobody on the end to meet them. So while we were doing some things right, naturally, we weren't, you know, fulfilling the the entire thing. But look, I mean, since then, yeah, okay, Wimbledon, they were, they were pretty poor. In fact, you'd probably say the worst team that we've ever played at the stadium of light, in fact. But non- easily be. nonetheless... You know, when we went 1-0 up, I think most people said, right, it could be any score here. And the reality was that game could have finished 6 or 7 and nobody would have really bat deny, I don't think. But look, like I said, I think as we go forward and hopefully over the course of the next few games, we've got the opportunity to start putting things right now. And I'm hoping that the players will begin to express themselves a little bit and come out and play with a bit of confidence. I can only really highlight maybe two or three times last season where you know, we, we kind of blew a side away, at least for momentary pe- periods, at least. When I look back at the Barnsley game last season, I mean, my description of that is Jack Ross basically banked on us to outscore them. And we scored, what, three goals within the space of 10 minutes. We were absolutely ruthless. And we need to try and get back to that standard because we are capable of it. Um, and as you mentioned, McGeady, Maguire, the talent, by all means, it's there. We've just got to basically make sure we start getting things right. Hopefully with Will Grigg now scoring, you know, he can return to the form that we've we've truly expected from him that we haven't yet seen. Charlie White's proven a right handful as well. So no disrespect to some of the teams that's coming up, but as we begin to face some of these lesser teams, I'm expecting improvement. I'm expecting a lot of improvement. But Yeah, just just for morale, if nothing else. Yeah. Um and and obviously if Ross wants to get the majority of the fan base back on side as many I've obviously shown that they're not quite, they're not really with them after games like Peterborough. We need to see more routes at home. I think when we get a team up here like Plymouth, I think yeah. it's, I really get, never yeah, mind, it not Plymouth. <laughs> when we get a team up here like uh, insert poor team's name insert here, poor team. In, yeah, I mean, come on, brain. Right, lads, come on, give, uh, give us a poor team. Accrington Stanley. Accrington yeah. Stanley. If you get a team like Accrington Stanley up here, uh, you know, again, I mean, I'm, I'm saying no, no disrespect, but I've just said give me a poor team. So obviously <laughs> that ship's kind of sailed. But yeah, look, when you get a team up here that's not very good, such as Accrington Stanley, a team that we would expect to be quite comfortably given how they're performing, a team like Southend, who are yet to register a single point this season, for example, you get a team like that up here, 
what the fans want to see, even if it's not for the full 90, we want a large period of the game where we are just raining down on their goal mouth, where we are just having a relentless flurry, chance after chance, and we're just getting the odd goal. And then those odd goals, cumulative, get you three or four in a game. As we said there, you look back at the Scunthorpe game, the Rochdale 4-1, we had a period in those games where we were just at them non-stop. We were just relentless, ruthless, and we got three goals as if it was nothing and we just look great and the fans love to see that they love to see the team just really just like going on a rampage even if it calms down as the game goes on because it's just good for morale people want to see that people need to see that you know nicking a 1-0 win at home getting 1-1s against teams like Oxford as the season goes on everyone will lose patience of Jack Ross regardless of how you see him regardless of how lenient you've been people will lose patience and that's understandable you know, every, football's a game of opinions. Everyone's everyone's entitled to their own. But anyhow, let's leave the quick question segment there for now because we are getting on to probably what infuriated me the most about the Peterborough game, and that was the two red cards. We haven't seen Sunderland capitulate in what was once the Sunderland style in a while, but that was a prime example of how we can well and truly balls it up when we want to. <laughs> So we're, you know, well, we're 3-0 down at the time and then Luke 9 gets sent off for that violent conduct in what I'm going to give as an asterisk in quotation marks <laughs> against Ivan Tony. Should 9 have been sent off? Because I have my doubts. What do you think? Have you seen it, Paddy? Have you seen it back? I have, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely not. I think Tony, he's, he's, conned, he's conned the ref, basically. I think 9 he's got his hands up, which... He should know that in like in the modern game, so in football in 2019, you can't put your arms up to a player because nine times out of ten they will go down like Ivan Tony did because we've seen it happen a lot. So yeah, I think maybe he enrolled in Stephen Taylor's school of play acting. Well, <laughs> the whole pretending to get shot thing. Maybe he did. Yeah, um, I think he graduated going off that performance oh, yesterday. Got a first. Oh, congratulations to him! It was so annoying because it's a fact that. It, Tony, he knows exactly what he's doing. His face hasn't been touched. He's dropped like he's been shot. And then he's got a fellow professional sent off. So obviously when it comes up on like, you know, when you get the update soon, it says, oh, O'Neill's been, been sent off for violent conduct. You're thinking, this could be quite bad, this. You look back and you just think like, this is a joke. You know, and it's just like, the fact that we were 3-0 down at the time makes you sort of think, oh, you know, probably wouldn't have made a lower difference. But say if we're 1-0 down, we're trying to get back in the game and then we get a player sent off in that fashion. It's 10 times more infuriating. And it's it's not the first time it's happened like that, you know, in League One in professional football, and it's not going to be the last. And it's just, it's so annoying because it, it, it's blatantly just, it's cheating. It's to get another professional player sent off. To go down with 10 men in that fashion, it's just, it's it's infuriating, really. It really is. But is 9 entirely blameless, Craig? In that whole incident, was he totally framed for the crime by Tony or should he not have made it as easy for him? Yeah, I think the view that I had, it looked like he kind of swung with his left and everyone around me was instantly thinking, well, I think he's just cracked him one, which is very out of Luke Nine character because he's just literally the, the happiest lad going, isn't he? He doesn't have a violent bone in his body. Um, I think when the referee sees a back in the, uh, in the aftermath, He'll know that he's made the wrong decision, and I certainly think we will appeal it. It's a bit naive that he's even getting involved in that. I can understand why he has. You know, tempers are boiling. We're 3-0 down. And let's be fair, look, he gives a shit. 
ordinarily, you know, previous Sunderland sides, you would see us roll over and some of the players just not want to not want to know. They're not want to get involved. And that's the only credit I can give to Luke O'Neill on that. I thought he had a really bad game by his standards, admittedly. But look, he did. He got he got conned into it. The most interesting thing for me, though, is that he didn't even try and challenge the referee after it had happened. He literally walked off. Um, Grant Ledbetter was absolutely seething, you could see, um, at Luke O'Neill. So I think he's probably presumed that he's um, he's hit him as well. But no, I, I think he's he's been conned and... There was an incident in a in a Leeds game, I believe, last season where Patrick Bamford done it and not only did the ban get overturned, he got banned. So if that's the example that was setting, I think Ivan Tony needs a ban in retrospect because it's atrocious. Yeah, if, yeah. if, if that's the precedent, then I think that's that's absolutely what should what should happen. It's I, I, me looking at it myself, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say personally that 09 is one hundred percent blameless for the for the entire incident. I know that obviously in football you, you can't do that for the reason that players will play act, but obviously that's not uh, that's not part of the rule book. That's not sort of like an, a written rule in the game you should do that for. Obviously you don't want to give chances like Ivan Tony the opportunity to do that because you know that he's, he's going to take the mick and he's going to get you sent off. And obviously there's. It's not what you want to see, but it's what's going to happen in League One especially. So I think, obviously, with tempers rising, I, I do appreciate that Online cares for the cause, but you shouldn't be giving Ivan Tony the chance to make, to, to make that call, to, to have his little theatrics, because there are many a player in this division who would happily do that. You know, they will forego all, all personal integrity to put their hands over the face, you know, scream out and fall to the floor and pretend that someone's hit them. It's uh, it's not it's not what you want to see. How would, it's how, what they're going to do. How would you react though if, if we, you know, maybe done that to a team? Because let's be fair, a lot of teams have done that to us, haven't they? Last yeah. season there were so many times. I think the referee yesterday actually was the one who sent Max Power off at Walsall. Again, that uh, that red card which got overturned. I overheard that get mentioned. But if we done that to another team, you know, how, how would we feel? Because there's there's a lot of times you'll see on social media people go, "We're not streetwise enough. We're not streetwise." So. Are we saying streetwise is is that cheating by doing what they've done at simulation by all means? But uh, you know what? I suppose what I'm asking is, at what point do we you know kind of rein in that behaviour? Do we get in the referee's face? Do we start play acting to try and even up the score? Because I think if you look at it yesterday, the referee gave absolutely everything to Peterborough. Um, you know he's went with a bit of a boisterous home crowd. There was a few times where you think some of their players could have got booked. Would we advocate that sort of behaviour if we could you know? Th- Beat a team like Peterborough three 0 Are we okay with that? No, I think that's a that's a fair point to consider. How would we react? Personally, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to seem like I'm going for the, the the high and mighty moral high ground because I'm not. There are teams who will set up that way because they know they they can exploit a loophole in the system, and that will be justifiable. From a, you know, like what what is justifiable in the game, like it or not, is relative to the to the team and the manager and, and the people involved and the culture. If if one of our players, it's if if say we I don't know who's most likely to do that. If if Chris Maguire, you know, Chris Maguire is definitely <laughs> the most likely to do that. <laughs> he, he would he would love to pretend to get hit in the face to get someone sent off. I mean, w- would I be happy with him doing that? Not particularly. I, I don't re- really like to see cheating in the game, especially from my team. Would I complain and try and get him done for simulation? My own player, no. I'm not going to call it out myself. I would leave that to the referee. I, you know, you, you never, you're never going to want to see your team do badly, so you're never going to want to call it out. But would I want to see it? I think the answer would be no. What do you think, Dan? That's sort of like a bit of like an ethical discussion there, isn't it, really? It's very it's, ethical, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think you hit the nail on there, just kind of what you said. If it's your own player, you're kind of like, you'll back them up, won't you? And you'll sort of like turn a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the shoes on the other foot, like they're all the names under the sun. 
I think what I found over the last couple of seasons, and even when we're in the championship, is for a lot of these clubs, it's like this is the biggest club they're going to face this year. So when they come to the stadium light, this is like their Wembley. This is mm-hmm. like their big opportunity. So you're seeing a lot more cheating. You're seeing a lot more simulation. Um, you're seeing a lot more players and teams really up for it. And then that kind of sometimes comes out in the play, the kind of stuff that we saw from Tony yesterday. It's just par for the course. I do think we need to be a lot more streetwise. I think we need a lot, um, certainly not go around the realms of Chris uh, Chris Maguire laying headbutts on people or feigning it. But um, there definitely needs to be some happy middle ground, I think, within yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the first time this season we've seen simulation as blatant as that. And I would hazard a guess it's not going to be the last time either. We, we've got Wickham to play twice still in the league so you know we're, we're probably going to see a bit of that Ainsworth magic with his <laughs> with his uh, you know with his band of band, band of merry men doing all sorts of whatever they want to try and you know get that 1-1 one, one. It's, it's bizarre to think that Luke 09 came from that lot man can't believe it you know the world's loveliest boy Sunderland's new national treasure do you think he was like the water boy or something they didn't speak to him in the dressing room or anything <laughs> yeah. like that because you're right he does not look like he's cut from that cloth no at he's, all. he's far too nice isn't he yeah, judging he off I mean both games against him last season were just just horrible yeah. games of football and he got kicked up a height didn't he down there at yeah, their place he I did, mean, yeah. obviously you've had, you, uh, we're going off track a little bit but the, the Duncan Watmore incident things like that they literally kicked seven shades of shit out of us yeah. at times didn't they mm-hmm. absolutely and terrible yeah. yeah I don't think Luke I mean, I mean Luke or nine you know if if the referee's going to look at it in hindsight as well, if, I don't know how well the referees necessarily know the players in this division, but, you know, someone who gives off such like a positive energy as Luke 09, surely the referee must be at least slightly aware that he's a sound lad. Looking back, you might think, okay, first of all, I can see that this has been play acting, and secondly, come on, you know, Luke mm. 09, is, is he going to do that? I don't think so. <laughs> this is the same lad who, when we played against Portsmouth in the second leg, he fell over the, the, the advertising board, got kicked in the head by that big, awful... Minging Portsmouth fan, and then said in the post-match interview, "That's just football." Yeah. You know, this is a man who Lee Catamore wasn't saying that. that no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, Catamore having having a standoff with that lad with the, uh, the hills have eyes. Yeah, <laughs> simply, <laughs> re- simply red eyes. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crikey, God, what an absolute disaster! But yeah, it's, it's so funny that those two Portsmouth fans in that crowd have been like immortalised as two just like massive like. So when what what dangers. game was it now? I think it was was it Wembley where like people were going our fans were going dressed with like masks of their faces on yeah. it, was, so, it was it was mainly the bloke when he's like sort of like he's like sort of leaning forward like his eyes closed and his like mouth open I've seen a picture on Twitter there's a mural in a pub or somewhere there is. W- with his face on it now which I, I, I need to go and pil- pilgrimage to that oh, mural yeah. should start doing live shows like, from there shouldn't we, we? Should, we should it's do fantastic. live shows with that as the backdrop yeah <laughs> Like we'll just like we'll, we'll not even be sat ourselves in the the focal point of the camera. We'll be sat around it <laughs> like some kind of seance and just have it there in the background. It'd be glorious. But yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think I think that'll get rescinded, and I certainly hope it does because ultimately it, that's not O9's fault. I mean, yes, he reacts, and yes, he shouldn't be putting it on a plate for Tony if he wants to if he wants to sort of do his best Stephen Taylor impression, but. Ultimately, it's it's been done now. So let's just hope for the best. If if powers got rescinded after that referee's mistakes, then hopefully this should be as well, as it's more blatant. I suppose as a final point, there isn't really much dispute over Charlie White's two yellow cards. No, no, nah. no. Nah, just no, it, was, it was a straight red. If he wasn't, yeah. on the yellow, yeah. was it? it was pure frustration. Um, yeah. Sorry, Charlie. Gotta behave better than that. You're not getting any sympathy from us. Yeah. <laughs> You've been a dafty, so yeah, you're gonna have to make your bed and line it. I'm afraid that's. Uh, 
Well, that's unfortunate, really, because I think another three games for him in, in succession, which I think he probably would have got, to be fair, as a starter, if all went well, would have been good for him. But yeah. this this sort of kills his momentum a bit now because he was starting to get back into the swing. He just got back on the score sheet. He shot himself in the foot and, as a consequence, also shot his team in the foot. But, yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid that's just what it is. It's a, it's a, for me, it's a bad day at the office. Everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. I, I think maybe... In a day where the wind was blowing our way, not Peterborough's, we could have got a draw or a win. Ultimately, I think we've played a good team, and and that's that. So I think we are probably good to end it there today for the most part. So just before we finish, as we always do, let's go around the table and let's get our predictions for our next game. So it's not Burton, which is this week. It is next week, which is Accrington. Accrington Stanley. Yeah. yeah, that's right. For a second, the team escaped me. I try to make, I try to play that off by looking to my my comrades around me, but no, <laughs> Com- comrades. No, no the, the bus is here, and I am now under it. So, yeah, that's. But anyhow, we're going to start with you, Craig. So the Stanley game away in a fortnight's time. How do you think it's going to go? Just give us a very brief synopsis if you had a crystal ball, and give us a, a score prediction. Uh, I think he will make changes. No doubt about that. Um, unfortunately, the international break has come at a bit of a bad time for us. I think we'll win. Um, again, in terms of every game now that we're having, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. So I'll go 3-1 Sunderland win. Christ. Um, McGeady, he's always good for a goal down there, isn't he? Yep. Um, Maguire, why not? And Will Grigg. I'd love to see it. Let's go to you, Paddy. Yeah, I think um, I almost entirely agree, really. I think uh, Ross will have these two weeks to mull over uh, team selection. Um, I think it will be there'll be at least two or three changes from the team which started uh, the defeat yesterday. So um, yeah, I think it'll be two-one uh, because we're, we seem incapable of keeping a clean sheet at the minute. Um, and I think it'll be ooh, Maguire and I'll go Grig as well. Actually, I, I would love to see Grig get his first uh, league goal of the season. Be good to see. Just want to sing that song again, don't we? Yeah. So yeah. we we basically we signed him. It's like, oh great, we can if you get bags a few goals, we can sing the song, and then that's when he got going yet. So what song? What do you mean? <laughs> I, I don't know. What, has he has he got a song? Will Grigg? Will Grigg's on fire. <laughs> oh yeah. You know I was that. being sarcastic. <laughs> I want to see how long I could draw that out for. <laughs> I was hoping I could like make you sort of like sing it to me to remind me. You know the one that goes, Will Griggs on fire. Hey, let's let's hope his brother's not listening. I know he follows our Twitter, so yeah. Let's... Well, look, hey, look. I mean, uh, look, Will Griggs' brother. If you are listening, I, I want your brother to do very, very well. Yeah, I just, we all do. Yeah, yeah definitely, absolutely. You know, I, I want to hear the song. I want to, I want to, I want to sing. I want to sing the man's name. I want to embrace him as he approaches the away crowd. I want to do all of that, but we'll not go too far. Anyway. Debbie and Dan, we'll start with you, we'll end with you. Summary of the game. In fact, actually, no, if we're going to end with you, I'll, I'll give mine, then we'll go to you. Okay. See, I'm an absolute pig's ear of that. But... <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think, Akron and Stanley, if, I'm, if I've got my crystal ball, I think that we are not yet going to amend the whole can't keep a clean sheet thing. I think we might concede another daft goal. But you know what? I think we are going to be bursting to prove ourselves at that point with a fortnight to train, a fortnight to recuperate, and I think we're going to be really sort of getting to grips with being clinical. I think we're going to be quite sick to the stomach of thinking about the Peterborough game where we were overrun by a more clinical team. And I think we're going to want to be that team when we play Akron and Stanley. So I'm going with a 4-1 win. I'm going with two goals from Chris Maguire. I'm going for one goal from McGeady, 
and I'm going for one goal from Will Grigg as well. So I think I think he's due it. I think Grigg will get the last goal of the game. I don't think he'll start, but I think he'll come on for Wyke, and I think he'll do that thing where he turns a player, and this time it'll just ping into the far corner, and it'll be a lovely, clean, aesthetic goal to watch. So anyway, over to you, Dan. What do you think? I'm just really disappointed that we've talked about Akron and Stanley so much and we've not done that old Ian Rush Milk advert. Well, no. <laughs> Akron and Stanley? Who are they? Hey, listen, we've still got that good video to put out on Twitter every time we play them, though, haven't we? Of the, uh, oh, the Newcastle the, fan who's getting the milk. I was just about to see oh, that. Yeah. Exactly which one you mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, honestly. Yeah. Hey, maybe Sean can play us out on the outroar. You know what, Sean? Do yeah, that. please, That'll please do. I'll, I'll, I'll pay Paul you 10 pence if you do it. So the new FC, you were here? So good, <laughs> so good. Honestly, if um, and I know you can't give BAFTAs for twenty-five second-long videos, but it should be done. Yeah, <laughs> but look, maybe we can go to ones like trophy shops and just maybe send it to somewhere. You can collect it from St James's Park or something. I don't know if you want that best short film, yeah, best short <laughs> film, best short film, best gift. <laughs> <Best gif. laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, a couple of, it's all right. A couple yeah. of changes. I think um, there's a couple of changes that need to be made. I'd love to see Dobson uh, start. Um, I think Grigg might start as well. Um, so I'm going to be mega positive and say three. Hang nil. on, hang on, stop. I said he's going to come on for Wyke. He's going to be suspended. He's as not well. going to come on for Wyke because nah. Wyke's going to be suspended. Yeah. Grigg's going to start. Yes. Over to you, Dan. Grigg, Grigg will start. I feel. Yeah. Uh, prediction there. Um, I'm going to go three nil Sunderland. Grigg brace and one for Maguire as well. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, that's positive enough, I think, given that today has been it's been a bit of a black cloud hanging over us after the Peterborough game. But ultimately, I think, if I'm going to say it, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I do think that that is down you know, to a bad day at the office. We've said it a million times, we're going to finish on that note. Well, actually, no, we're not, because we want to give a very quick shout-out as well to the Sunderland women's team, who have put in some really excellent performances recently, one of which, of course, being a Derby Day win. So obviously, you know, you know how we're the lasses. Thanks for doing what the lads team can't currently do. You know, for me, Jack Ross, and I imagine for all of us, he's still got a lot to prove just yet. Obviously, if results don't pick up, we could be in a bit of bother. But I think should we get a win against Dacrington, I think it's all probably going to be rosy again. And I think that we should probably bear that in mind. So anyway, thank you very much, Dan, for joining us on your debut. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Good stuff. Thank you again, Craig and Paddy, as always. Very welcome. No problem. No worries. We will see you all back on the main event in a fortnight's time where we will hopefully revel in one of the aforementioned predictions. Thank you and good night. Do you want a drink? You got any lemonade? You want? Milk. And she says, if I don't drink lots of milk, I'll have to play for Sunderland EFC. Sunderland EFC? Who are they? Exactly. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.